Hi, this is Jim Brangenberg, the host of the I Work For Him radio show. Thanks for listening to the I Work For Him podcast, where we discuss our workplace as our mission field. The live version of our show can be heard each weekday afternoon at 3 p.m. Eastern on AM 570 and 910 WTBN, locally in the Tampa Bay area, and worldwide on the web at letstalkfaith.com or iHeartRadio. Our website, iWorkForHim.com, has great resources on how you can learn about how your workplace can be your mission field. And also check out the sponsors that bring you the radio show each and every day. And while you're there on I Work For Him, click on the I Work For Him Nation flag and prayerfully consider joining the I Work For Him Nation. Join thousands around the globe praying for their coworkers and employees by name each and every day. That's IWorkForHim.com, IWork, the number four, Him.com. Remember, your workplace is your mission field, and in that mission field, you may be the only Jesus your coworkers and employees may ever meet. Thanks again for listening. I hope this broadcast will make an impact on your life so that you'll never look at your workplace the same again. Let's get to today's show. You've tuned into the fastest one hour in Christian Talk Radio. And on Tuesdays, we call it Together on Tuesdays with Jim and Martha Brangenberg as we tackle your marriage and your relationship issues as they relate to your home life, which impacts your work life. Because if everything is messed up at home, it impacts what you do during the day. And relationships, people, ladies and gentlemen, listening to the show today, understand our society is severely lacking in their relationship skills. I could go on for an hour just talking about the fact that we need to work on our relationship skills. We have perfected the art of avoidance. People avoid conflict. Guess what? That doesn't work. So today, we are going to tackle the 10th lie from the book. The Lies Couples Believe by Dr. Chris Thurman, a book that Martha and I have been going through and just breaking out the lies for the last several months. And this is number 10 and the last one. And so really, Martha, I think we just jump right into it. This verse, 2 Corinthians 7.10 that you picked up, godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret, but worldly sorrow, it brings death. You know, this whole series on the lies that couples believe. What's your impression been of why this has been so important? Well, because I think we believe a lot of things that we just don't even really try to validate. We don't really search to find out whether they're true or not. We just, culture has helped to shape our views on marriage in ways that we didn't even realize it was making an effect. So I think that that's been the biggest takeaway for me and hopefully for some of the listeners is the fact that We never even thought about the fact that that might be something I believe that's not true. And so really delving into it and saying, hey, we need to look at scripture. We need to look at what we've adopted into our relationship that is unhealthy and what we're going to do about it. And it has been a great discussion just for us. You know, one of the benefits of being marriage mentors like Martha and I, and we talk about on the radio every week, is that the more and more we invest in how to help other people with their marriage, it makes our marriage stronger. I mean, we... When we are working through issues with other people, we're working through them ourselves. I mean, we've, because your marriage grows through, goes through and grows through stages. I mean, we're in that empty nester stage now, fully a year, and it has been great. But we've experienced things differently because, you know, there, there were times where it wasn't just the two of us, and then you, you didn't drive each other crazy. And I tend to, I think, drive Martha crazy more times than she drives me crazy. But it is it has been good to go through these lies because that's one of the biggest things that we see couples struggling with is the lies that they believe. The things that they've been told as truth, but they were not truth. Yeah, and I think something you just kind of hit on and then you just 
kept on talking. Um, No, that's okay. But I just want to emphasize it for our listeners and for ourselves. It's much like, say somebody is a physical trainer and they're helping somebody train for a triathlon or something, and they're maybe running alongside the runner and encouraging them or talking through their diet with them or whatever. Whatever they're doing to help the person they're reinforcing it in their own life. So they're running, they're eating healthy, they're learning new ways to do things. And that's very much how we see what we're doing is we're learning alongside and we're strengthening and um, getting to absorb these things as well. And that really makes a difference in people's lives. And that's why we hope that it's making a difference in our listeners as well. Well, and really marriage mentoring is marriage discipleship. And Mm -hmm. if you haven't gotten through a marriage mentor, if you don't have an established marriage mentoring relationship, if you don't have a Paul couple in your life, somebody that's discipling you two, you, you as you and your husband or you and your wife, we highly recommend it. And if your church doesn't have a marriage mentoring program, we can talk to your pastor about how to get one started. It is something that we do. It is a passion of ours. It is absolutely essential to the, the health of any church. And it really is. Yes, it is, because strong marriages build up strong families, and strong families are what's needed to grow strong churches and reach their communities. So, I mean, so that's why we talk on Tuesdays. Just understanding about marriage and relationships is that if stuff is messed up at home, if you've got stress at home, whether it's between you and your children, you and your husband, or you and your wife, we're all of you just hating at each other. It impacts your workplace. I mean, it really impacts your workplace. Mm-hmm. All right. So lie number 10. The chapter is titled, Stop in the Name of Love. The number 10 lie, we can reconcile without repenting. That's right. I had Ace dig up that song. That's really. That was awesome. That was awesome. <laughs> I was doing the little motions. Martha was doing the motions. <laughs> Jim didn't know that. You know, we should really have a video camera in for a moment so like that. All right. So or this, not. You know, the you know, there's <laughs> I just I'm just overwhelmed with that the just the motion figures that Martha was going through. All right. The, this idea that you can reconcile without repenting. True reconciliation. Let's put it in, in perspective our relationship with our Heavenly Father. In order for us to be reconciled to our Heavenly Father, to have our sins taken care of, it re- requires a repentance in our hearts, a turning from one direction to the other and saying, no, I want to turn away from my life of sin. I want to claim what Jesus did on the cross for me and allow what Christ did on the cross, the shedding of his blood, the raising from the dead, to reconcile our relationship with our Heavenly Father repentance is absolutely critical to having a relationship with your heavenly father you have to walk away turn away from your sin because you've been missing god's perfect mark for your life that's why jesus came and died for us and rose from the dead and conquered death once and for all and for the last several months on most tuesdays we've been tackling this book by dr chris thurman the lies that couples believe and there's 10 lies in there. And today, it's the final day. Don't don't cry. Don't cry. It's okay. It's been a good one because we've been learning about overcoming many of the lies that our culture has been teaching us, which are just big, fat lies. The culture doesn't know what marriage 
is all about. The culture doesn't understand that marriage is amazing and that marriage is two best friends working through life together, overcoming obstacles and and spending the good and the bad together. It's just, it's amazing. You know, marriage is amazing. It was God's gift. And our culture just thinks that it's not, but it is a gift. What Martha's laughing at me. What? You're just so cute. What am I being I cute just, about? I love it because you, um, you just, you believe in marriage so much and you, you know, you're just, you see how culture has confused so many people and just made it not so important. And, um, I, I just appreciate that about you. Well, thank you. All mm-hmm. right. So today's lie. Lie number 10. Stop in the name of love. Lie number 10. We can reconcile without repenting. And as I said right at the end of the last segment, no, we can't. Nope. So show's over. Show's over. We're done. You cannot reconcile without repenting. And I think the best example is to just look at salvation that's offered from our Heavenly Father. We have a damaged relationship with our Heavenly Father. It started in the garden when Adam and Eve said, nope, we know better than you, God. We're going to go do our own thing. I know you only gave us one rule. One rule. Don't eat from that tree. But the serpent says that that fruit, if we eat it, is going to make us just as smart as you. So we did. And God goes, bummer. Now i got to kick you out of the garden. Uh, life's going to be a lot tougher. And our relationship is being severed. I mean, just how devastating it is. But right from the beginning, right when God was eliciting the curse out on the uh, the serpent who represented Satan, Lucifer, the fallen angel, he says, one of the woman's offspring will crush your head. And that's what happened on the cross. Satan's head was crushed because the penalty for sin is death. And we have to pay the price ourselves. Unless there's somebody that's a perfect sacrifice that could pay it for us. And that's what Jesus did. Jesus came, paid the price for our sins so that we can reconcile our relationship with our Heavenly Father. But it takes repentance. It takes a recognition that our sin is keeping us from having a relationship with our Heavenly Father. And it's keeping us from having a good relationship. And so, therefore, we need to repent. We need to be sorry. We need to turn 180 degrees away from our sin and recognize that it damaged our relationship. And the same applies in our marriages. It does. And the way we need to look at it and the way the book addresses it is the fact that if we keep doing something without really uh, repenting of it and it damages our spouse or damages our relationship, then you really can't reconcile. You can't make it okay if you haven't really repented of what you did wrong. Okay, so let's just let's just use our kids as an example. Growing, oh, let, growing, they're not here to defend themselves. <laughs> so too bad. No, for them. we would never put them in that kind of position. We wouldn't? Well, like that it would be inappropriate to defend them. We can tell stories. Like, I'm going to do something inappropriate on the radio. No. On purpose. No, go ahead. I wouldn't do it inappropriate. Okay, I'm not going to do it inappropriate on purpose. Okay. All right, so what I was going to say is when our kids would do something wrong, Mm -hmm. they would be very quick to say, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And we would say. It's okay. 
No, we would not. Uh, we would say, and what does sorry mean? That's what we would say. We didn't script this. We didn't plan this. So we're just, you know, going off of so when memory. They, well, because it's been so long since <laughs> our kids have done true. anything. But that is true. That's right. Yes. So we'd, they'd say, what does we sorry say, mean? What, we'd say, what's sorry mean? And they would say, sorry mm-hmm. means I won't, won't do, do it, it again. again. Never do it again. That's right. And because sorry, you gotta, it's got to be genuine. I mean, it's so easy to flippantly say, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Or even sorry. worse is the person who says, say you're sorry. You yeah. know, to, as a parent, when you get upset and because they've done something naughty. That's and always say, effective. Say you're sorry. Well, saying you're sorry doesn't even really mean you're sorry. And that's really what this is all about. The I the lie that you can reconcile without repenting. So you that that's really called sweeping it under the tile. The rug. Well, you in, can't lift up tile. But you know, in Florida, a lot of people don't have. They have rugs. Oh, People they, have rugs. They have rugs on top of the Entry tile. Entry rug, they have, bathroom rug. They have rug. rugs on top of the tile. Yes, of course. Okay, so that, okay, so sweep, not under the tile. I was just trying to drive a point home because in Florida, now people listening they, across the world are going, wait a minute, how do I sweep it under? I have dirt floors. I'm sorry. They still. They still we've sweep, been a lot yeah, of places that's that have right, dirt, they floors dirt floors and they're swept right, so very nice and clean. Okay, so. so or vinyl. Hiding uh, how, vinyl, it. But vinyl planks, but you know, vinyl or vinyl planks, you still have rugs on top. That was Ace's deal, Martha. Okay. He, okay. So, but the point is <laughs> that you cannot reconcile. There is no repairing of the relationship, a true repairing of the relationship without a genuine repentance. Right. What is that called? <laughs> that was crickets. <laughs> You're uh, right, Jim. That's what this chapter is all about. I just was about. looking at you going to see. I figured you had something really cool to say. Okay. Listen, there's a story in this chapter, number 11. Lie number 10. Then I want us to read it because it really displays what, what, what happens when people don't genuinely reconcile. Then when they're having an argument down the road, what comes out? That past situation because they're or, still harboring bad feelings. Or a list of past situations. Oh, just like sure. What do we, we should have a name for that list. No, because you shouldn't be keeping it. Right. So it should be the un... The unacceptable list. Unacceptable. <laughs> the unacceptable list. All right. Uh, this is a conversation between Rich and Kathleen. Sorry I'm late. I got hung up in traffic on the way here, Rich said as he hurried to the table where Kathleen was waiting. You're not going to blame the traffic for why you're late again, are you? Kathleen snapped. Yes, as a matter of fact, I am going to blame the traffic for why I'm late. It was backed up because of a wreck. That's why I wasn't here sooner. So let me get this straight. Are you saying you didn't wait until the last minute to leave work like you've done a million times before? Why are you making such a big deal out of this? I'm not making a big deal of this. It is a big deal. You're late for everything we do. Eh, eh, eh. Illegal word, illegal word. That's not in here. And it doesn't seem to matter how many times I tell you that it really bothers me. And by the way, I'm always on time. I never leave you waiting. Eh, eh. I never leave you waiting at a restaurant all by yourself. Boy, somebody woke up on the wrong side of the bed today. Don't patronize me. This isn't about me. It's about you. I've told you a thousand times. It makes me really mad when you show up late for everything. And yet you keep on doing it. That's why I know you're not the least bit sorry. Look, I told you I was sorry. What more do you want from me? Can't we just sit here and enjoy a meal? Saying you're sorry doesn't mean you're really sorry. I want you to quit saying you're sorry and show me you're sorry by being on time. I can't promise I'll be able to do that. Well, then, I hope you enjoy eating the meal by yourself. Maybe you'll finally get a taste of what it's like for me all those years. Kathleen said as she stormed out of the restaurant. Wow. 
I was like waiting for like soap opera music. <laughs> that would have been. We, we, didn't, we didn't tell Ace no, to have that queued up. No. I mean, I, I could I was... play the stop in the name of the love then, too. <laughs> yeah, you, you could, but it wouldn't be appropriate right now. Okay, so, but thanks for offering. So, but the conversation there is there's something bugging Kathleen that's been bugging her for a long time. There is, and she's using illegal words because in marriage, you are not allowed to use the words everything, all the time, never. Always. Uh, always. Because they're never, ever, always, all the time true. Can't mm-hmm. be. It's just not always, every, all the time true. Right. So they're having a conversation. And what's really bothering Kathleen? Well, Rich is a late guy. He's just one of those people that's always late. And he needs to really work on it. And he's not really sorry because he keeps doing it over. Well, she said he's done it a million times. How many days was that? I am sure that that's true. That may be an exaggeration because how many work days would it take to get a million? How many work weeks? Uh, Ace, can you divide a million by 52? That would give us how many work weeks? Or I'd give you how many years. How many, how many years? So a million by 52. And then you got to divide that by... What do you want to know? How many years that's going to be? That's a lot of years. How many? That's a lot of years. All we right, couldn't so, do that. Yeah, I don't but, think it's possible. The, it sounds to me like Rich is way younger than don't retirement Don't you think, age. though, that that's... So she's mad. She's well, just ticked off. It doesn't sound like it's a surprise. It sounds like they've had this conversation before, so it's not like something she's been harboring without talking to him about, but he's not changing his behavior that affects her so much. So all the times he said sorry in the past... Didn't really reconcile them. How many years was that, Ace? Oh, right about 19,000 years. <laughs> 19, <000. laughs> Give or she take. She was exaggerating, slightly <laughs> exaggerating. Okay. So it is, what's what's bad about this situation is that there's an issue here mm-hmm. that they haven't been able to take care of. What Kathleen should have figured out years ago, instead of getting all angry, at, she should have told Rich, if he's always 15 minutes late, she should have told him to be there 15 minutes before she was planning on being there. So then he'd be on time. No, that's not the point of this discussion. Well, that's one way to work through it. All right. Well, that's what we really need to talk about. How do you really reconcile with your spouse? How do you really reconcile with your coworkers, your children, with your friends? Because true reconciliation takes repentance. And that's what we're talking about today. The number 10 lie the couples believe we can reconcile without repenting. From the book, The Lies Couples Believe by Dr. Chris Thurman. Today's lie... We can reconcile without repenting, but the the title of the today's chapter, Stop in the Name of Love. Okay, 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 okay. Martha's dancing in the studio now. <laughs> Before you break my heart. Just and that's really having real, a little fun. That's right. So really we just read through a story of Rich and Kathleen are having an argument about him being late all the time, or much of the time, or many of the times. And he's saying he's sorry. And then, but she's not feeling his sorriness because he keeps repeating it. And we just talked about it. Listen, if you say you're sorry, it means you don't, you're not going to do it again. And that takes really working through stuff in your marriage. And this is something that, honestly, ladies and gentlemen, as Martha and I have been marriage mentoring for years and we've been learning this stuff at the same time, is that people don't know how to work through conflict and they haven't been taught how to work through conflict. And sometimes people have been shown and it's been displayed to their lives 
the flippant use of the word sorry instead of the true repentance, the I am really sorry. Yes, and I think that um, really, if you're going to put some um, picture behind what that looks like, and and I know you said that you would never do it again, but the point is really working towards that. It doesn't mean that you're going to be perfect, but if you really care for how your action affects me as your spouse, then you're going to try harder to not hurt my feelings or make that happen again. So the point is that you don't, it doesn't go right to the expectation of being perfect, but showing that you're making an effort to not hurt the spouse. The book talks about this. It says this, when a spouse isn't truly sorry for the wrong he or she does, regardless of the size of the wrongdoing, the rupture in the marriage cannot heal and the couple cannot reconcile. It isn't the size of the wrong that damages a couple's chances of properly reconcile. It's the hardness of heart accompanying the wrong. Hmm. And really, it's this is a big deal. I mean, if you're listening, we all know what it feels like to get a false, I'm sorry, a, 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 a surface, I'm sorry, a, a ingenuine, a disingenuous, I'm sorry. I'm not sure the right word to put in front of it, but... When we just know that people don't really mean it. Well, it's curt or it's surface or it's not really what it's meant to be. And, you know, I d- can I clarify something right Absolutely. Here? Okay, so I am guilty of using the word sorry, but not flippantly when I'm really needing to repent. I do it like... Um, I feel the weather bad outside for, is really crummy, oh, Martha. Man, I'm really sorry that it's so bad. The traffic was really bad today. I'm sorry that I, that happened to you. I, I don't have any clean clothes to wear. Okay, that I might be sorry for because <laughs> I didn't do laundry. But yeah, I know I do laundry. A I lot. just really didn't enjoy my meal that we ordered at the restaurant tonight. I'm sorry about that. All these so, things she says, I'm sorry about that she has no control over. It's not. It's an improper use of the word. It is, and so I'm going to work on that. But. My point is that those are things I pity him for that, I guess, is the word that. But pity sounds so sad. Don't pity a fool. (laughs) Mr. T. I don't remember that, but I guess I didn't really watch much Mr. T. (laughs) But the but the point is, is that we're talking about when somebody has really done something wrong and they just half heartedly say they're sorry and go on with life as though nothing happened. That is what we're talking about, that if that happens and you're not really repentant, the couple, the persons in the relationship can not reconcile. It's it's not resolved. It's not fixed. It's not um, an effort's not been made to make it better. I don't know if we can. And, and this is you were talking about couples, but I'm talking this happens in the workplace, too. It happens mm-hmm. in the church place. It happens in the workplace. It happens in the home place. It happens in the neighborhood place. Ladies and gentlemen, how many of you have unreconciled relationships? How many of you have problems with somebody that you either no longer talk to them because you never got a result, or you just pretend that nothing happened and you go on your merry way, but you still remember? And I, I would guess that there's a lot of people in those categories when they sit and really think about it. Well, if we you ask them to raise their hand, it would be a dangerous situation. It would be for those, for those that driving. are in the car. Um, but you think about, like in your coworker situation, how many of you get put on a committee with somebody that you know 
always turns thing, things in late or ha- I shouldn't say the word always, but has a habit many times of turning things in late Often. or not meeting the deadlines or relying on everybody else in the team to carry their weight. And that you can harbor resentment towards that person. And that is one of those things that's not reconciled. Well, that's why they give you college team projects. Oh, yeah. So that if you, you, learn. Can, you can learn that there's always one who doesn't do any of the work. <laughs> yeah. And they still get credit for the project. Uh, but And that's why they put, you know, individuals rating each other. But at work, there's oh, there's not always somebody, but there often will be somebody. There can be. That you are having a conflict with over, usually it's something silly or it's a misunderstanding or it could be something flagrantly, a flagrant violation against you. Somebody stealing an account or somebody... Um, just saying something mean about you or whatever it may be. Or consistently taking bad messages to where there's not enough accurate information to call the person back or things like that where they're just, they're not putting back their full effort. And so it affects you. And so there really is something that they're doing wrong and it's affecting productivity or profitability or whatever it might be. So it truly is a wrong. Well, who wants to go to work? with people that there's there's this awkwardness between it's bad enough doing this at home you know and a lot of people i just you know at home a lot of times if people refuse to truly genuinely be sorry and repent and try to work on reconciling they they do the silent treatment and then two or three days later you just can't live in silence anymore so you just start talking and you just pretend that life well, is that's normal. the sweeping under the rug you were talking about right but it, that's sweeping under the rug sweeping under mm-hmm. the rug sweeping under the rug sweeping under the rug pretty soon there's a lump under the rug get out the <laughs> vacuum suck that stuff out of there that's called repentance all right okay there, what an but, analogy all right but seriously this is a plague on our society this is not a pre-christian issue this is a people issue. People issue. It is. Tell me what you mean by that. Well, I mean that everybody struggles with this. I believe that everybody in this case probably struggles with it. Even me, and I'm Dr. Confrontation. There are still people that have said they're sorry to me, but things are not reconciled between me and that person. Okay. And even though there's been true repentance, there's still... Um, maybe my part, I don't feel like there's been on their part. And so there's a, there's a divide. There's a separation in our relationship and it's caused, it's caused distance. It's caused uncomfortableness. I mean, it's, it's just a, it's just an ugly deal. So I I think that the lie that we're talking about today, but Dr. Chris Thurman's book, the lies that couples believe is this lie that we can reconcile without repenting. It's just not true. You cannot, you just are continuing. It's like you've got a wound and you just, putting a bandaid over to pretend that the wound isn't there. Then every once in a while you take a fresh uh, dart and you poke it into the wound and it's still there. And so now it gets infected or you get tetanus because it was a metal dart. I don't know. I mean, just what well, you're just staring at me. You're not talking. This is a well, I can't show. relate to the dart. <laughs> All right, so, I'm so somebody takes their eyelash thing and they poke it into your eyeball. That's just horrible. How about, yeah, okay. Okay. But, but the point is that it keeps resurfacing because it's not really dealt with. Well, it's like rubbing a scab off of your sore and then it starts to bleed again. Yeah, and then okay, eventually it creates grossed. a scar. Jim's getting grossed out. Yeah, I don't yeah, really, well, let's poke blood. a needle on it. That'll make it there so much go. better. All right, so you cannot... 
reconcile your relationships without true repentance. And here's the deal. As Christ followers in the workplace, in our homes, in our church place, in our neighborhood place, we need to lead out in repenting. Because 98.7%, usually there's two wrongs that have made the wrong. Usually. There's occasions where you really didn't do anything wrong, and you don't really need to say you're sorry about anything, but most of the time, and repent, most of the time we've contributed. I know on marriages we've seen that it may be even 99 plus percent of the time that both people have contributed over time to create that issue. Oh, sure. Takes two. Takes two to tango. We don't have a song for that today. No, but we, we did do a chapter on it. All right. We're talking today about lie number 10 from the lies that couples believe by Dr. Chris Thurman. The lie today is we can reconcile without repenting. But the chapter is called Stop in the Name of Love. The reason you know it is stop in the name name of love before you break my heart, and and honestly, ladies and gentlemen, listen today. If you do not reconcile in your relationships, whether at work, your neighborhood, your church, or your home with your spouse, your children, you will break people's hearts, and you will break and damage relationships permanently. We talked at the beginning of the show on how. We can't have a reconciled relationship with our Heavenly Father without what Christ did on the cross. He made it possible, but we still need to repent of our sin. We still need to turn away from our sin and put our faith and trust in what Christ did on the cross and dying for our sins, knowing that we can't pay the price, only He could pay the price, so that you and me can have an intimate relationship with our Heavenly Father. How about having an intimate relationship with your spouse? How about having a, an intimate relationship, a close relationship, appropriate relationship with people at work? Intimate's the wrong word there. But it's impossible if you wrong somebody and then you just flippantly say, I'm sorry, or they wrong you and they flippantly say, I'm sorry. You need, we need to work through this, repenting, having a genuine conversation. And most of the time, you can tell when there's a sincere, I'm sorry. You can. And so that's really what the the bottom line of what this comes down to is that are we, I believe I've heard before that repenting is to turn, you know, to, to do a 180, to turn away from that behavior that you did. And that means really making an effort to make a change. So if in the story that we read earlier in the show, the husband is notoriously late Always and late. it re- we don't say always. She did in she the story. Did. But not- I specifically said notoriously late. I'm sorry. And it offends her. Then if she has that conversation with her husband about it and says, you know what? It really is disturbing to me and it's offensive to me that you aren't making our time together a priority. Because that's really what it comes down to. I think if you were saying it, you would say, I feel disrespected that um, somebody's not choosing to be timely in the time of the appointment. But the the point is then, okay, make an effort because it is not in my uh, desires to disrespect you. So I would want to do what I can to change from my ways, to improve myself so that I don't continue to cause you aggravation that can build a wall between us. 
All right, so I, I just I think we've gotten the point across that it is impossible to repair your relationships. We use the word reconcile your relationships without true repentance. Mm-hmm. So I think we should really talk about some biblical truths here. What a great idea on reconciliation. Good. And, and listen, you listening today. This applies to all your relationships, not just our husband and wife relationships. It applies to your work relationships, your church relationships. Some of the most dysfunctional relationships are within a church. Well, because it's difficult to deal with them, and uh, and you're afraid to step out. And but the same thing is true with our own kids, um, or people in our extended family as well. It, it, at church, you're going to church. People, you can if you go to a big enough church, you can just avoid people. You know, at work, sooner or later, you're going to have to face it down. And, and that's really the job of the manager. If he's got people that are not reconciling. That's the manager's job to get those people to get it done, smack people's heads together and say, work this out because you're destroying the when there's unreconciled issues in a home, in a neighborhood, in a town, small town, you know, Minnesota or in a a, uh, workplace, it causes weirdness and distraction. So let's talk about what those biblical truths are. Okay. (laughs) True sorrow repentance requires that you take ownership and confess your sin to your spouse. So for it to be true and real, you need to acknowledge or own it and confess it. Say, you're right. I did this wrong. And it's, that's, I don't, I don't know what it's like to be a woman, but I know as a guy, it's hard to say I was wrong. Fonzie from happy days made it, Obvious that most men struggle with that. How's that, Jim? Because he would say, I was, I was, I was, and he'd come out and he'd say, you were right. (laughs) Because he couldn't say I was wrong. But it's so, how many times have I used that line with you? You've you've joked about that quite a bit. Yeah, 40 years ago, I watched way too much Happy Days. All right, but it is, we just need to say I'm wrong. I mean, Martha and I, after going through Love and Respect, which is a phenomenal book that we've talked about in the air many times before, I just, all of a sudden, we just came up with this, you know, I'm sorry. Please forgive me. I love you. Meaning all of those things, because it just it just stops. It puts the focus on where it needs to be. We, we, we don't want to, reconciliation, repentance. You know what? We're Christ followers. We've got to set the standard for reconciling relationships wherever we go. Well, truly, that, that step just takes humility. And I say just, but I don't mean just. It takes. it takes humility. And that is a big step, but it is uh, a very monumental step in a relationship when you can humble yourself and say, you know what, I take full responsibility for this situation and I'm going to try and do better. So I, I love the second one. And it just talks about that you need to be able to feel the pain that you're causing the other person. So basically, if I say um, this is not the case because you are not a late person. But if we go back to the book and the husband was late for meeting her at the restaurant and it offended her, you are a just on time person. You are you calculate your day down to the minute. But if you if it really offended me that, you know, I was having to sit there alone and I felt unvaluable, that I felt like I really didn't matter, then it would be important for you to understand the pain that I'm feeling from your behavior so that you could understand why it was important to not let me feel that way again. 
I don't, I think if I, if someone were to articulate and say, you know what, this action that you just did made me feel like I am the least important thing in your life. I know you would say right away, I don't ever want to make you feel that way. No. And and the way you always communicate that, that I really hurt you is when you start to cry. I'm like, oh, (laughs) (laughs) I don't want to have to cry. No, I know. But when you do, it just tears me up when I make you cry because I know what a jerk I've been. That's just, I hate that. I hate it. But this truth is trying to put yourself in that other person's situation and say, I feel how you're feeling and I don't want to make you feel that way. True sorrow also requires that you make amends. What does that mean to you? Because you can't make, you know, if you've hurt somebody, it's not like you can make it up. You can't take it back because the words, if it was words, how do you make amends? Well, it's kind of like mending clothing. You put it back together to the best way possible through um, making a true effort of it. So I think that's really what amends is in a relationship. And it's intentional, I think. You got to really be intentional on putting it back together. Uh, that to me is important. And that's yes. that again is tough because you created awkwardness by whatever you did wrong. Mm-hmm. All right. True sorrow requires that you're motivated to change your behavior because you want to help your spouse heal or your friend heal or whatever. But let's focus on your spouse. Motivated to change behavior. This is something that, you know, don't say you're sorry if you're not willing to change. But don't say I do unless you're not willing to, if you're not willing to change. Because marriage is all about compromise and changing. Now, don't marry somebody because you think you're going to change them because that's a losing cause. But if you're following Christ and you got Christ at the center of your marriage, both spouses should be willing to change at any point in time in order to help our spouses heal. You know, I think one of the key points to this point is that you need to be motivated to change yourself, your behavior, so that your spouse can heal. So... I don't want it to just be something that you lord over me and say, well, I'm changing just so you'll feel better. This isn't what I agree. No, no, that's not real effective. You need to be motivated because deep in your heart, you want your spouse to be in a healthier place and you don't want to be the cause of that insecurity or self-esteem issue, whatever it might be. So the motivation needs to come from within, not out of guilt, not out of fear or anything like that. Truly out of love. I was going to say, not out of guilt, but it's guilt, the conviction of the Holy Spirit that helps you realize that you've done something wrong. Oh, sure. But not, oh, I'm going to change just because you make me feel guilty when I'm late. No, no m- I want to I change because I want to be there on time to respect you. There's many people out there that are suffering from addictions to a number of different things. And when they decide they need to change their behavior because it is hurting their spouse, A lot of times you need outside help to do that, to make those changes, to hold you accountable. I think the last one's really cool, too. Sure. It says that true sorrow requires that you stop doing the wrong behavior. It seems to make sense. Stop doing it. Stop poking the wound. Yeah. And work to heal the wound. So perfect thing is in the workplace. You know, if, if you're doing something that is affecting the workplace and you know it and you're sorry about it, stop doing it. Like what? Um, being late for meetings. So everybody has to wait for you to start their work. Or drinking the last cup of coffee and not starting a coffee pot all over again. Or taking the last Mountain Dew for crying out loud and not putting (laughs) a new one in the refrigerator. Important thing. You're listening to I Work For Him with your host, Jim and Martha Brangenberg, as we tackle marriage and relationship issues and we finish up our series on the lies that couples believe, a book by Dr. Chris Thurman, This Week's Lie is that you can reconcile your relationship with your spouse 
without repenting. And the title of the chapter is Stop in the Name of Love. break our spouse's hearts. We don't want to hurt people. No, none of us, most of us, I'm sure there's not very many people out there that really are like, I'm going to go out and hurt people. I'm going to devastate them. I'm going to wreck their lives. I'm sure that that's not what people are aiming to do. But if we are not repentant when we hurt somebody, we don't get a chance to reconcile that relationship. All right. So here's, we got to talk about some steps in the right direction, Martha. As we're running out of time. We do. So the first thing that we wrote the book um, by Dr. Chris Thurman talks about is acknowledging that you believed a lie that you didn't need to change because that is a lie. It is a lie. And that's what marriage is all about. That's what every relationship is all about. If you want to get two people together, whether you're spending 10 hours with them a day at work or your lifetime with, you're going to change. But if you keep your eyes on your heavenly father, he's going to do that changeover for you on his own time. And in your own heart, don't worry about your spouse's issues or your neighbor's issues. He can bring about that change. Assess the cost of believing this lie. I have not repented. I blamed my spouse instead. That's when we believe the lie that we don't need to repent, that we can just reconcile and move on without repenting. It does damage, permanent damage. That's a lot of when couples are struggling 10, 12 years down the road is because there's, there is mountains of this garbage to dig through. Right. So the fact is that we need to adopt what the biblical truth is. And the truth is that we need to repent and turn from our old ways. I like this part. Now, this is the world's toughest question for you to ask your spouse, the people you work with, your neighbors, your church neighbors. Ask the truth. Ask your spouse or friend to give you a list of the things he or she has asked you to change, but you've been unwilling to change. Mm, that takes a lot of courage. A lot of guts there. A lot of guts. But it's so, I mean, how am I going to know what I've hurt you with and what you've got in your unacceptable list in the back of your head if I don't ask? That's a good point. But the other side of that is don't ask that question unless you're willing to do something about the the answers that you're given. If you say, oh, that's nice. Yeah. <laughs> that wouldn't be a very good solution. I think one of the biggest things is it is it. Jesus says it so many different times. Listen, don't if you don't forgive your brother, I'm not going to forgive you. And, and and this is part of we need to offer up forgiveness. We need to ask for forgiveness when we have sinned against our brothers and sisters, whether they're our spouses or our real brothers and sisters or our neighbors. If reconcile relationships. That's all we have in this life. You don't get to take anything with you, but you do get to take relationship with you. And our relationship with our Heavenly Father is impacted by our damaged relationships here on this earth. So it's so important that we're proactive and reconciling reconciling relationships. Right. And then make sure you ask for that forgiveness that you need. And pray together. When you got damaged relationships, ask for forgiveness and then pray. And just restart those relationships. It's going to still take some time to repair. I mean, just because you've said you're sorry and you really meant it and you've repented does not mean your spouse or your friend is immediately going to hug you and go, great, let's just move on and have a great day today. That's just not the way it works. All right, baby, the end of another show, another fast-moving show on reconciling. This can't happen if there's no repentance involved. Just a good series. This lies that couples believe by Dr. Chris Summer. 